This is Unrefined, the podcast where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories. Hi there, story lovers. I'm Shannon. And I'm Camille, and welcome to another episode of Unrefined. Today, we welcome a very special guest and a very good friend of mine, Sarah Glenn Smith. Hi. Hi. Sarah and I have known each other for quite a while as well. She's one of my very closest friends from college, and she is a amazing, talented performer and an incredible mom and an all-around hilarious, beautiful human. And I'm so glad to have you here today. Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. I'm so interesting. I don't know where to start. (laughs) I'm a girl. Nice. I was born in Charleston and I grew up in Atlanta. And then I went to college in Charleston. That's where I met Camille. I think our sophomore year. Graduated from Charleston. Then I moved to New York and lived there for like 12 years. And then I moved back to Charleston. And uh, I'm a mom. I have two little boys, 11 and 8. I have a dog. Her name is Pita. I just got her. She's amazing. She and my dog are very, very good friends. They're like kindred spirits. They could possibly be cousins, Mm -hmm. we think. They're very, very much alike. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Sarah. We're excited to have you join us. Today, we're focused on stories set in New York City, and I should probably save this for my confession, but I've only been to New York once in my life for work, so it was not a super exciting trip. And I got to see you that one time. Yeah, that was the most exciting part for me. (laughs) I got to see you and another one of our friends from high school, but I think you guys are going to carry us with your stories today, so are you ready to go? Sure. Yeah. This is a pretty, pretty crazy story. And I swear it is, it's true. I mean, I, every time I tell it, it's like, okay, now I'm making it like bigger than it really is. And now it's not going to be that exciting, but it was 2011 and it was Thanksgiving and it was the first Thanksgiving since my father had died. He had died the, the previous October in 2010, pretty suddenly. So this was the first Thanksgiving where my family was trying to figure out like the new traditions and the new like kind of culture we were going to have around Thanksgiving. I was living in the East Village with my husband, Kevin, and my son, Simeon. And my mom loves coming to New York. And I wanted to make it really, really big and exciting to kind of keep our mind off of like how sad and sad it was. And my younger brother was going to come along as well. And he was recently back from Iraq. He's a vet. But anyway, so Before they were coming, I wanted to plan like a really, really awesome trip for them. So I found out about this magic show called Steve Cohen Chamber Music from some of my friends at work. It was like this really exclusive magic show, like apparently it was so unbelievable, so hard to get tickets. So I landed some tickets, but unfortunately there are two showings and I could only get the four o'clock show. And it was at the Waldorf Astoria, which if you don't know, is uh, in Midtown. It's the Coming to America Hotel. Like it's the big fancy hotel. Fabulous. Yes. Very New York. Very, very, very New York. 
anyway, so it was at four o'clock and the magic show wants you to dress in black tie, which is sort of silly, but like fun, you know, it's like a magic show and everyone's wearing black tie. My brother obviously didn't do it, but I made Kevin wear his tux and I wore my rehearsal dinner dress from our wedding, which still is my favorite dress. I can't wear it anymore because I got my boobs done a couple years later and now I can't zip it up anymore. But it's incredible. <laughs> so I gave it to my niece. Um, first of all, I just have to add really quickly into this that Sarah has impeccable taste, but she also has a very creative taste. So oh, thanks. Yeah, it's you're not going to see she's not going to wear something that you're going to see somewhere else. She's going to wear something that might be a little bohemian, but also very glamorous. And some of our friends joke around because sometimes the outfits are beyond our grasp, I think. <laughs> but Sarah has excellent taste. So I know this dress was probably insanely beautiful. Yes. I think that we should like backtrack a little bit on how I even got this dress. So when I first got engaged, I was more excited about my rehearsal dinner dress than my wedding dress. But anyway, I, my mom was in town. It happened to be like a spring day and we're walking through the Chelsea area, like East Chelsea, like going West. And we're going down um, a side street. I don't remember which one it was. And there was one of those little uh, vintage designer consignment stores. And outside hanging is this gorgeous, like silk and chiffon, long T-length dress with like different little, different layers and it's umpire waisted and it's got gold beading with tiny little black straps. At the bra line, there's this black sash that you can tie around front or you can tie it around back or you can tie it on the side. And I was like, oh my God, that dress is like to die for. It's probably a zillion dollars. And it was a zillion dollars, but it wasn't like two zillion dollars. It was like, it was like half a zillion dollars. Not like, and I was not like, like two. Exactly. I was only like half a zillion. So I was like, if I try it on and it fits, like I, I have to get it. It fit like a glove. It was, pr and it was one of those dresses that has to fit you perfectly because it has to be fitted at the top. And it looked, it's like a flat chested kind of person dress. Like, and then it was just, it was just perfect. I didn't need to hem it. I, I didn't need anything. And it was Chloe. It was a Chloe dress. And I was so excited about it. So yeah, so that was my rehearsal dinner dress. It's, it's, it's amazing. So anyway, I was excited to wear it again to this magic show. But it was sort of embarrassing because, you know, because I was such a local living in the East Village and we're going to Midtown to the Waldorf Astoria, you know, at four o'clock. It was the Friday after Thanksgiving. So we're going to Midtown to the Waldorf Astoria in tuxes and like fancy chiffon dresses. Sarah, you and I kind of understand Midtown for people that don't haven't lived in New York. For Melinda in Wisconsin? Yes. For Shannon in Indiana. <laughs> for Shannon in Indiana, right? Yeah. <laughs> Midtown is where like all the theaters are and the museums. It's just south of Central Park. It's where everybody stays. Like there's like the continent intercontinental hotel. People come for, you know, their conferences for work, but you also come and you go to the MoMA and you go to Rockefeller Center and you go to it's like, you know, St. Patrick's Cathedral, all the, you know, the Christmas window shopping is all in there. So anyway, it's a very touristy area. Yeah, the cowboy, the naked cowboy. Naked cowboy is there. Yes, Times Square. Times Square is kind of midtown. So this is, Waldorf Astoria is on, I want to say Park Avenue and like say 53rd, kind of in the center of, of midtown. Let's keep talking about midtown and then midtown and midtown. Okay, I'm done. So I, um, so the, so the, the show started at four o'clock and it was like upstairs in like one of their fancy rooms at the Waldorf Astoria. And my brother loves steak and I was trying to make a steak dinner reservation afterwards. And Kevin and I like Sparks, which is like an old like mafia kind of like steak place. And I love it. They're so, their steaks are super, super salty. And like, I think back in like the thirties, someone was shot outside. Like it's like a very New York-y 
like yeah um steakhouse yeah and i couldn't get a reservation <laughs> and i couldn't get one at peter luger's and i couldn't get one at sparks so these are all kind of like pretty well-known steakhouses in new york but i could find one at del frisco's which is fine and I think there's like three of them in the city. It's like a kind of a, I think they're only in New York. They're probably in airports now. I don't know. That's what I could find. And I made a reservation, I think at 545. So in my head, I'm like four o'clock, I'm going to be at the Waldorf Astoria in this dress and a tux. And then I'm going to be walking or trying to hail a, a, a cab with my husband in a tux going up to Del Frisco's. I'm just like, whatever, it's going to be fun. Del Frisco's. <laughs> So we go to the magic show and it is everything everyone said it was going to be. It was incredible. He like blew our mind. My mom even got to go up on the stage. I mean, it was like, he was truly a magician and it was so fun. It was just an hour, which was great because that's the longest I can really go like without, you know, having a drink at this point. So we get done. We try to hail a cab. We hail a cab and we head up to Del Frisco's and we go in and I look pretty awesome. I'm one of those people that if like, I try really hard. One, I'm really good at makeup. I worked at Stila. Remember, Camille? I worked at Stila at Saks in college. Mm-hmm, so I'm I do. really good at makeup, but only on myself. So I looked really, really good. This dress is amazing. So anyone who wears it is going to look good. But I like worked really hard to like look really, really good. And I knew it. And we walked into the restaurant. I'm like definitely like embarrassed, but like everybody's staring at us because we look like idiots wearing tuxes and fancy clothes. But at the same time, like they're also looking because I look really good. Oh, yeah, Sarah. They're all just looking at you. For sure. They're looking at me. So we're walking in and they're taking us to our table. And we're like in one of those tables in the middle. Like we're at a four top round table. In the back of the restaurant, there's like those booths. So so they're like a bunch of two top booths. So the, you can either be facing us at the table or you're looking towards the booth. So in my sight line, there is definitely like a slumped down older middle-aged man with like balding hair, like definitely has never been to a gym and he's facing away from me. And across from him, there's this like petite woman who is cackling, like, and she's cackling like she wants everybody to hear her. And she's like, I mean, it's five o'clock, right? But she's cackling like it's midnight. She and I like lock eyes and I'm like, oh God, here's my competition. Not that I'm really looking for any. She's like, (laughs) okay. Also, I want to say, I will never forget this detail as long as I live. She's wearing like a skimpy white top. I could see the shape of her areolas and her nipples through her shirt, both of them. It was like two torpedoes or like submarines were like growing out of her chest. So imagine that. And she's like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. And she's staring at me. So her cat, her cackling's getting louder and louder. And I'm like, don't worry. I'm not going to take any of your business. Like I'm with my brother and my mom and my husband. So we sit down and like my brother notices her, Kevin notices her. And then we're like trying to ignore her. What, what do you mean her business, Sarah? What's her business? She's a lady of the night. Oh, and you just assume that or there's just something? I just knew it. I just knew it. But the submarines um, that were growing off of her chest with the uh, very distinct areolas was a, uh-huh. was a big, um, the fact that she was, you know, midnight intoxicated at five o'clock was also another giveaway. And the fact that her date was like facing <laughs> yeah. away from the crowd was another giveaway. So I had a couple hints. Context clues. <laughs> yes, exactly. So... The guy takes our drinks orders and we all order old fashioned. So Kevin is from uh, Kentucky and like, that's what we always did at Thanksgiving. We, that's what my dad would make. A, like, that was just like our drink. So I hear her say like, 
oh my god they are all the fashions like so what are rednecks i can't even believe she knew like what a redneck was but she was like oh what are rednecks and i'm like flabbergasted i'm like you're a fucking hooker and you're calling okay i'm like and my brother can hear this my mom can my mom can't hear it she's like oh i'm just gonna have a tangerine and tonic blah 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 and then we're all waiting for our you know <laughs> old fashions and uh i'm sitting there like oh my god are we gonna be dealing with this for like the next hour and a half or two however long this dinner is going so cackling is growing louder she's continually talking mind you the man that is accompanying her is not responding to anything that she's saying she's like talking over his shoulder she's not talking to him she's just talking out like she's like she's spreading covid particles all over this spitting like all over this restaurant. No one's listening to her, but she wants to be heard. This goes on for a little while. I get up to go to the ladies' room. As soon as I get up to go to the ladies' room, I sense her get up. She gets up and follows me to the ladies' room. And I'm like, oh my God. So I go into the ladies' room, do my business, washing my hands. I hear her in the first stall that's next to the sink, like unabashedly whips out her little baggie or whatever it is and like like is going at it, going to town, like not trying to hide it and is completely doing the drugs. Yeah, doing the the white the white, the white what are white what are those train, drugs? White yeah, dragon the, tails. There we go. There we go. Rail, so, um, railroad tracks. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So she comes out of the stall and she comes up, she comes out of the stall. I swear. I mean, you know, you can sense, oh God. And so I'm like almost done. <laughs> and she comes up behind me and she says, what did that dress cost you? Like dirty dadas? I don't know if you understood me. She asked me if my dress cost $30. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. Uh, I, I didn't know what to say. So she, she leaves and goes back to the table and I'm like, I'm kind of shaking. I wish I could say I wasn't shaking. I was like, whatever. But I was sort of like shaken, you know, cause I'm like, I'm going to go back to the table and like, we haven't even ordered our appetizers. Like, you know, I don't even think I've had more than two sips of my drink. Like we're going to be here for an hour and a half and this is only going to get worse. So I come out and like the big tattletale that I am, I go up to the manager and I'm like, excuse me, there was a lady doing drugs in the bathroom. And like, they're like, how do you know what, that she was doing drugs? And I was like, cause I know. I don't know. I think I think she was doing drugs. <laughs> the guy clearly knew who she was, and like he insinuated to me that he's seen her before. I can't remember what he said. He's like, "Well, we'll keep an eye on her, or whatever." And I'm like, "Well, you know, I'm here with my mom and my brother." And I pull the veteran card, and I'm like, "You know, this is supposed to be a special night." And like she's harassing me in the bathroom, and she's loud, and like da da da. And he's like, "Well, we'll keep an eye on her." But he's like, "Here at Del Fresco's, we want everyone to enjoy the maximum quality." of USDA prime beef, and our hookers are first class. No offense, Del Fresco's. Oh, my God. So um, <laughs> so I sit back down, and I'm a little, like, a little shaken up. My mom, my brother are there, and they're like, oh, my God, what happened? So I tell them what happened. You know, I'm whispering, but, of course, she comes out, and she's like, you know, makes the biggest scene, walking across, you know, like comes as close as she can to my table, and like rubs her shoulder against my chair, and like, stumbles over to her seat and like sits back down. I was like, ah, ah, I saw her in the bathroom. I'm rednecks. Oh wait, that's not her voice. She's like, I saw him in the bathroom in her dirty daughter dress. And uh, she's such a redneck. Blah, 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 blah. I'm so much prettier than her. I'm like, God, blah. So she's going, continuing, continuing. And just, she's like, wants us to hear. And like my whole family is like, yeah, she's she's so obnoxious. Like this is this is rude. And I'm like, are are, are, any, are any of you going to do anything? Like no one was planning on doing anything. So I finally I get up, and I walked over to her, and I said, "Excuse me, how much do you charge?" And she's like, ah, ha, 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 "What?" Ha, 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 ha. And I was like, 
how much do you charge? And she's still like, ah, and doesn't like understand it. And like, I, I look, I kind of like lean down and I look at the guy to like, make sure he knows that I'm right there and that his fucking date is my, is, you know, I'm trying to handle the situation. And I want him to make sure he knows what's going on. Cause I'm about to fuck with him. And, um, said, because I will pay triple what he's paying. If she'll take her five inch torpedo titties and get the fuck out of this restaurant with that, she stands up with her red Merlot or Merlot and like, tosses it i swear to god in slow motion it is all (laughs) over my face all over the gold beading all the way down my dress all the way down to the floor i am like oh my god the whole restaurant which was like boisterous you know like friday after thanksgiving like you know totally packed and booked it is like completely quiet. And they, I feel like a lot of tables had already sensed what was going on. Like there's so much fucking black energy between us, like so dark, you know? So I lean down because I did not walk over with my drink and I grab his martini and I pick it up and I throw it on her. I'm just kidding. I did not <laughs> do that. I know. Oh, I, I wanted you to so bad. I know. I'm so freaking mad. I'm like, oh my God, oh oh my God, I love this dress, oh my God. But I don't even think I was actually saying anything. I was in so much shock. So I think I I did like like lurch for her. Is that the word? I lurch for her and the waiters come over and they're like holding me and she's up and out of it. And she's like, she's super petite, so skinny. You know, her boobs don't even bounce. She's screaming like bloody mortar, like, and so they're holding her. I mean, they like pick her up. She's like kicking and screaming and I'm like, and I decide to turn into like, like a like a hurt princess and I'm like oh my god oh my god and they're like oh ma'am are you okay sit down blah 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 and I'm like turning around and my like schlumbat veteran brother and my husband are like doing nothing and my mom's like what's going on I I can't believe this they're gonna pay for her dress right blah 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 I'm not eating here and I'm like this is insane so they take her away the police come but like I don't know what for and we just don't pay our bill. They're trying to talk to us. And she, I think she gets arrested or she get the cops come and they're doing something with her. Maybe because I said something about the drugs. I don't know. So we're out on the street and I'm literally shaking. But at this point, like I've decided to change my energy into being like really pissed at my husband and really pissed at James for fucking being losers and not doing anything like nothing. Meanwhile, this dress I just told you about has freaking nasty, cheap ass Julio Gallo wine all over it. Horrible. And then I'm like, you know, this is my mom's like thing. You know, this was supposed to be a lovely, amazing night. We're going to have steaks and we're going to have, get wine drunk. And then we're going to take the cab home. And it was just going to be just a lovely day. And like, it just, I was, ugh, there's so many emotions. So we're outside. And of course we can't find a cab because it's like six o'clock on the Friday after Thanksgiving in Midtown. So I'm like, mom. And my mom's like, I'm not walking. I'm in heels. And I'm like, I'm the one right now that the one that needs all the attention, but like, we've got to eat. Like we haven't eaten. Right. So, um, they do give us like a gift card, whatever. And, and uh, here from, uh, we'd like you to accept our apology here at Del Fresco's. Here's a, a all you can eat Sunday brunch, Easter buffet ticket. All right. It's from, for our new Queens location. That's only good in the Queens location. There's one, and oh, Narragansett, oh, too. Um, anyway, we start walking, and I have, like, you know, I can't feel my feet. So I'm wearing, like, four-inch heels, and, like, I 
have so much adrenaline or so many hormones and so many endorphins that like I can't feel my feet. So I'm feeling bad for my mom. And so we just keep walking. I think we're in like second Avenue. We keep walking and walking and walking. And finally we find like a Rosa Mexicana. We go inside and we're like, again, (laughs) here we are in our tuxes. And you know, Chloe dresses covered in red wine here for like a fancy dinner at Rosa Mexicana. I mean, they They make guacamole at your table. So we go in and we, yeah, we ate some quesadillas and had homemade guacamole. And that's how we ended our. Well, I have to say, Sarah, that I could say that that entire episode definitely kept everyone's mind off being sad about your father. That's true. Definitely. That is true. And you know what? I feel like even when we were walking down to the Rosa Mexicana as like kind of in shock and, you know, trying to decipher like how I was feeling or how I should be feeling or I was like, this is a fucking awesome story. Like, I'm so (laughs) mad that my dress is ruined. Like, but, oh, but get this. Of course, it's New York. I find someone in my building who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who could get red wine out of like cream silk chiffon. It all came out. All (sighs) came out. I can't wear it anymore because of what I told you before. So, and I gave it to my niece. She's still too little to wear it. But so we still have the dress and the wine stains are gone. So moral of the story is never give up. Never give up. <laughs> the moral of this story is Jesus loves you. <laughs> I like how your story has two enemies, the hooker and the Merlot. And, and Shannon. I am not a you're fan. You're not a fan. So once again, Merlot is the, is the nemesis. It's the enemy. Yeah. Right, I'm not drinking any sure. fucking Merlot. Uh-uh. I have to say that. Um, I know that you wish you would have thrown the martini glass. I, I could, I could feel that in your voice. I but I have to tell you that you asking over and over how much she charges, and then saying I'll fucking <laughs> triple it if you take those <laughs> torpedo titties and get the fuck out of here. I mean, I would never have thought of something that cool to say. I mean, what a badass moment! I mean, literally, she probably took one of, like, my kids' bath toys into the doctor's office and was like, see these? That's what I want you to make on my chest. Okay, enough with the torpedo titties. But they literally looked like fucking, tor- like, torpedo submarines. <laughs> what What is um, quintessentially New York for me listening to the story is a couple of things. One is that you can dress up in full black tie and go anywhere in New York. And it's not that odd to people that see you. Totally. Which I think is such a beautiful thing about New York. And also anything can happen. Literally, it's like, it could be a Tuesday and all of a sudden you meet a Swiss guy and you're singing karaoke at a bar that still lets people smoke cigarettes in Chinatown. And then you end up on a roof somewhere And you're watching the sunrise with, I mean, it's just, it's such a magical place, but that's an amazing, amazing story. And your dad would be proud of you. I think so. I think so. But he probably wouldn't be very proud of Kevin or or James. Absolutely not. (laughs) And that's right. We are recording this guys. So we think you should make it up to Sarah by taking her to another Del Fresco's (laughs) in Atlantic City. (laughs) for a a free night (laughs) of drinks and steaks. Hey, what are you drinking tonight? I've got a tasty budget red that I picked up at my favorite little grocery store. How about you? 
Yeah, I'm drinking something similar. Can I read you something that's a little provocative? Yeah, bring it. Opulent, big, bold, and a candidate to stand proudly alongside Napa's finest cold wines. Iridium shows dark, rich chocolate. Caramel toffee and blackberries laced with oak spice. White pepper and black cherry. Firm, well-integrated tannins and a solid acid backbone give way to a richly decadent mouthfeel with lingering notes of mocha, cassis, and classic Cabernet notes of graphite. This is a family company, and we can't use all the silky, sexy, libidinous words that come to mind drinking this, but rest assured, it is a rich, round, plush, hedonistic powerhouse that you might imagine, oh yes, tons of dark fruit, mocha, lavishly spiced and hyper-luxurious cabernet, and a very modern style. Oh, last bottle of wine porn. I wonder how you get the job writing those wine descriptions. I don't know how you get that job, but sign me up. This was today's last bottle wine, Iridium 2016, a sterling cab. It retails for $175, but last bottle was selling it for $95. Still way outside my wine budget, but that's a huge discount. Yeah, that is a huge discount, and I'm sure I know some people who could swing it and maybe invite me over to help them drink it. Ooh, I love that idea. You know, if our audience uses the last bottle link in the show notes to set up an account, they get a $10 credit. Oh, I'm aware. (laughs) I know we get a credit too when they make their first purchase. It would be really nice to up my wine game a bit. Agreed. All right, listeners, check the show notes for the last bottle link and get to work upping your wine game and ours. So I feel like living in New York, you get stories just all the time. There are stories that happen every other day. You know, there's always like the rat smoking a cigarette in the subway or, you know, a person (laughs) falling onto the tracks or like somebody was talking politically recently and they're like, New York's gone to shit because of the doctors wanting people to wear a mask. People are shitting in the subways now. And I was like, (laughs) now? I didn't feel like I was a New Yorker unless I was seeing someone pee or take a poo somewhere in the public, you know, and you just keep walking. Totally. Keep walking. This isn't so much of a wild story like Sarah's. Mine is just kind of an interesting like look into a different world. So I lived in several different places in Brooklyn, but one of the places was South Brooklyn, which was right near a Hasidic Jewish area. And there are a lot of different sects of, that's S-E-C-T-S, sects of Hasidic Jews in New York. The, and I don't know the specific sect of the one that was in the neighborhood by me, but I remember driving into New York when I moved there and seeing basically what looked like a village that would be in Eastern Europe just kind of plugged into this hip hipster and like Italian and Puerto Rican and Dominican area of New York. And everything was in Yiddish. And those of you who don't know much about 
Hasidic Jews, I really don't either, except for what the like documentaries I've watched and, and seeing them. But they have the curly tresses, and I don't know what they're called. Do you know, Sarah? I want to say locks, but I know that's not right. But they grow them from birth. They have them. They don't right. cut them ever. And sometimes they'll wrap them around their ears to curl them more. And and the certain times during religious periods, they'll wear these beaver or mink hats that look like big, mm-hmm. thick cylinders, kind of. It's fascinating. I'm not crazy about some of the culture in regards to how women are, are treated. Um, they're taken out of school at a younger age. They aren't allowed to pray with the men. And this partic- particular sect of... It's like very strict Orthodox Judaism. They're Hasidic, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like very, very strict, and um, but it's fascinating. But anyway, so I lived right near them, so I would walk around, and all of a sudden, you're walking by like a record store and like a tattooed dude, like on his motorcycle, and then some cool guy playing hip hop, you know, the hip hop music, and then you're like in the middle of Anna Tefka, like Fiddler on the Roof. It's, it's Crazy interesting. (laughs) Am I offending people yet, Shannon? Probably. No. No? So this happened in 2012 when Hurricane Sandy hit New York. And it devastated the parts of Brooklyn that were on the water and the beach and the rockways. And and as you get further out to that part of Brooklyn, you've got Brighton Beach where there's a large Russian population as well. So Hurricane Sandy came and I was working at a restaurant in the Lower East Side, really hip restaurant, very like tons of fashion people would come in there, actors. I mean, like everyone from Scarlett Johansson to Jonah Hill, a lot of uh, Ralph Lauren, just like tons of really fabulous people um, came in and I would serve them. One time I was working with a girl who lived there and her girlfriend at the time was very active, was a huge activist. So we were all hanging out together after work one night and literally the next couple of days, Hurricane Sandy came. And so I don't know if you know this about lesbians, but in my experience, lesbians are very, very good at organizing. It's like, if you want something done, I think you're stereotyping and I'm very offended. Um, you're welcome. Okay. I'm sitting here going, oh my God, am I a lesbian? (laughs) (laughs) I knew it all along that something finally rings true. Shannon, you could be, man. I mean, I have never seen anything like it. They like put stuff out on Instagram and then texts. And then all of a sudden they like had a place in Brooklyn that agreed to let them be like a meeting point and people were bringing water and blankets and and food and people had gone to different restaurants and it was like boxes and boxes just like stacked and it it, it happened within a day they were just like ready to go and i was like wow lesbians are amazing and all this time there was actually a celebrity who i'm not going to mention their name but was also good friends with these two girls She giggled and touched my leg at one point during this, and I completely threw out the idea that I was heterosexual and I was going to spend the rest of my life trying to make her happy. And then it ended, but it was a pretty exciting moment. She's just this beautiful firecracker who used to like break colts and broncos. So so anyway, these uh, incredible 
lesbians, maybe some of them were bi. I don't know. They were on the LGBTQ plus spectrum, but they had it all figured out. And I got there and I was, I had a, my Jeep at the time, um, my older Jeep. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Cause being from the South, the coastal South or not being from, but living in the coastal South here, we're, we're hurricane prepared. Like we know what we might be getting into. Right. We're like ready to go. So you're like, it's not happening. Just Everybody chill, just chill just, the fuck out. Just gets a bunch of beer and just hang right? out your dorm. Everything's fine. When Except it's not, right? Um, and so I had this beautiful, beautiful woman in my car, which was probably making me very nervous. And then I had three other people in the back. And we were taking supplies to this area, this Brighton Beach area, where there were a lot of elderly Russian people living in high rises that didn't have power or running water at that point. So basically we were just going to be running this up and down to every floor, knocking on doors. Some people were being carried down. Some very elderly people were being carried down by people in the hallways. The stair, the staircases didn't have not even emergency power. So it was pitch black dark. So it was like, you were also having flashlights to help people down the stairs. And I love that kind of active helping people. There's something about it when you, you're actually not just like writing a check, but you're giving your time and you can see the results of your help. And I know that probably sounds selfish as well, but. No, but it's the, the physicality of it. The, the you're actually Yeah. And, and interacting it. with people and that, that idea of, of showing people like showing up for other humans that you don't know. I think that always renews my feelings about humanity. And I think that, especially in the US today, we're so divided. And the reality is the majority of people are just trying to get through their day and be good people is what I like to believe. But anyway, before we get there, this is the main part of my story. We're driving in the car and everyone doesn't know, nobody knows each other. And so everyone's like, oh, how do you know each other? How do you know each other? And this girl in the back, and she's what you would think of, of like a sexy New York hipster. She's in my view, kind of a more like rock and roll hipster. I'm sure that's a oxymoron in some way, but she had like tattoos and like dyed black hair and she was very, she was smoking hot, you know, but like quiet. And she's like, well, I'm, um, I'm a dominatrix. And I was like, oh, of course you are. So I'm like, uh, obviously, you know, one guy's like, oh, I work in a coffee shop. Another one's like, oh, I'm a fucking temp. And she's like, oh, I'm a dominatrix. And everyone's like, oh, cool. And it, like, no one skipped a beat because that's just New York City, baby. So she was like, yeah. And we're and this is happening. And I know I'm taking us back a little bit, but this is happening as we're driving through the Hasidic part of town. <laughs> I was and um, I was like, oh, wow. Like, that's fascinating. Like, do you? She's like, yeah, no, I get paid. I have several clients. and it never becomes sexual. It's just, you know, they want to be dominated. So I have a lot of submissives and like, she was using all these words and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Totally understand all of this. Right. Like a daddy, <laughs> right. Shannon, we learned about daddies. Gonna Google that later. <laughs> You're like, let me take notes. <laughs> and so she said, yeah, it's so funny driving through here. It just, um, I actually have a, a Hasidic client and everybody just went, fell silent. So there are all these cultural rules and it's very strict. And, and so hearing that one of them went to a dominatrix was like mind blowing for me at the time, because of course I went back after this and tried to, to learn more about it. 
And then she's like, yeah, but you know, the fucked up thing is he just has me like feed him meats. Pork? Yeah. Like bacon and pork. Shut the fuck up. No. And she was just like so laissez-faire about it. And she's like, yeah, he doesn't want anything else. He just wants to be tied up and he wants me to force feed him. We just continued talking about that. And I was blown away by just A, that that there was A, that I was, I knew I was a lesbian now because of this beautiful woman who then later unloaded boxes of bottled water and stiletto fucking boots and didn't miss a beat. I was like, good God. I think I was more in love. Like I wanted to be her more. Maybe not. I don't know. She, if she heard this, maybe it's time for us to be together. I don't know. Call me. So anyway, that was one of my New York stories. It had had this combination of like New York being in a state of emergency with this hurricane and going to help people. And then on the way, having strangers in my car that we're just chatting with and finding out that one of them is a dominatrix, dominatrix who feeds unkosher meats to a Hasidic Jewish man. Are you ready for my confession? <gasps> oh my gosh, Shannon. You know I live for your confessions. I live for them. It's probably about as mediocre as you're expecting. Bring it. So my confession this week is that I never read the chapter before book club. What do you mean you never read the chapter before book club? You don't read the book when you're supposed to be reading the book, Shannon? Correct. But you're an avid reader. You read more than anybody I've ever known growing up. So what do you do? You like listen to what everybody else says? Well, I should probably provide some context here. I've never been in like a good book club, like a fiction book club. I've always been in work book clubs. And I cannot read business books or leadership books. Like I try and they are so bad. I fall asleep, literally fall asleep trying to read these books. Shannon. Um, Is that lame or what? Come here, I want to tell you a secret. <laughs> Nobody else will probably hear this, but this is not helping your bad girl <laughs> I image. I know. Talking about talking about you've only been in workbook. <laughs> workbook reading book book clubs. I know, I've kind of given up on combating that uh, why, perception. Why? Who would even do that to themselves? Well, no one wants to be in those book clubs, but they feel pressured. I thought that you were, you were like, ooh, Ooh, this one's about Excel. <gasps> no. We meet every Thursday. It's, they're usually like those cross between self-help and leadership books. Like they're, yeah, it's all regurgitated crap. Like they all say the same thing in same 15 things. different ways. And like, I can't stomach self-help. I probably should. I could probably benefit that, from that's it. That's probably your, that's your true confession. That's what we've really gotten down well, to is that you can't stomach self-help. Help me. Thank you for helping me get there because. You're welcome. I love self-help books. So <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I can only read fiction. Like if it's not there to entertain me, I have, I have no use for it. Well, Shannon, funny enough, my confession is just going to piggyback right on top of oh, yours. Oh, good. I can't wait. And sorry, mom, if um, I don't even know if she'll ever find one of these because she keeps asking me how to get to it. <laughs> and 
also wants to know if if she can't listen when we record it, is that okay? <laughs> oh like, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love your mom. I, know. I do too. She, my mom sends me bo- lots of books. And let me see, where's the last one? And I think this is, you know, I don't mean to be publicizing this book. It's just going to happen anyway. Um, but the last book my mom sent me was Deeper Dating. How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Why You Don't Need to Look Perfect, Act Confident, or Play Hard to Get to Find Real Love. So thanks, Mom, for that. First of all, my response was, I'm not even dating. But my confession is my sweet, beautiful mother sends me these, and she sent me many of them. All these different self-help books that are like New York Times bestsellers are, are, are given out at her work. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this really spoke to me, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And it, I'm so appreciative, but I haven't read any of them. So you're like me in that way. Yes, absolutely. Some people really get a lot from them, and I just don't. So I think that's okay. I feel like the bottom line is you fucking know what you need to do. You just don't do it. And I don't mean you. I mean one. Like in or general. Me. Like one person in general. We know We know what is fucked up about us. We know our cycles. We know that our bad habits and you either choose to change them or you don't. And lately I have been choosing not to change any of them. I'm going deep. I'm going hard. I'm pushing hard into the bad habits. Hey, Shannon, have we gotten any more reviews? Since last time we spoke? I don't have a listener review for you today. So instead, I've got some highlights from some of the personal messages we've received. Ooh, I can't wait to hear them. So these people have got to be our biggest fans. So the first one is, please don't stop. I laughed so much. Beanie Baby, White Van, go girls. Yes, but don't go into the van. Don't girls. go into the van, girls. The, other, the next one is, y'all did it again. Laughed out loud so much. That's obviously one of our um, northern fans, right? Yeah, they say y'all Kid, all the time. Pudding. Yeah. Seriously, don't stop doing this. Never knew I needed these laughs. And that one just like warms my cold Indiana soul. The last one is, you're like this one. Um, I'm listening to the second episode and I'm sitting here cracking up about the convo around crotch rockets. I do love that. I do love that. That's one of my favorite highlights too, is because I think it just speaks volumes of where we are in the world right now, where... (laughs) We're so afraid of offending someone that we were worried about crotch rockets being offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, offensive. We've clearly gotten past that concern. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys seriously don't stop sending us these messages. They mean the world to us. And if you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and maybe leave us one of these reviews and we'll read it on a future episode. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I hate to say it, Shannon, because I love spending time with you, but that's it for today's show. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. The links are in the show notes. And until next time, keep those stories coming.